Did you know that 36% of community college students are first generation? That's four and a half million people whose lives will be on a more positive trajectory. For others, it's the way to keep the cost of a four-year degree manageable or move their careers to the next level. In short, community colleges are a force for good. That's why I'm so happy to talk to Brett Ingerman, Vice President for Information Technology at Tallahassee Community College. His Florida-based school enrolls more than 24,000 students per year, and almost 80% of them go on to a four-year institution. I'm Josh Christ with the Workday Podcast. Brett, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Can we start by talking about TCC's mission? Sure. Simply put, our mission is to make a difference in the lives of our students. We've got a pretty, as you said, large number of students, and they're pretty diverse. There are some who are coming to TCC to go on for a four-year degree, but there are others who are just looking for improving their skills to go on and get their first job or improve skills to get their next job. So we're really all about trying to find the right pathway for our students, be that, you know, again, to, to further education or to career. As a technology leader of an institution like this, what motivates you to get up in the morning? What's your passion? You know, Sonia, I've been doing this for over 30 years yeah. at all different kinds of institutions. And I think what motivates me is finding ways to take the current technology and to make a difference in the way that our faculty can deliver the education that they're there to deliver, to help impact the way that our students learn, and to help our administrators do their jobs better. So it's finding, it, it's, it's every day there is something new and different and exciting that allows us to do something we've never done before or allows us to do something better than we've done it before. And that's pretty exciting. And then where does technology, specifically cloud, I know you've said before, it's not that you have the cloud or use the cloud, it's what you do with the cloud. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's funny, we've been talking about cloud for a couple of years and, and for most people, technology has always been in the cloud, right? And on our campuses 20 years ago, when people did email, those email servers weren't in their offices. They weren't in their, in their departments. They were sitting in server rooms that they didn't have access to. So once it's no longer at your side that you can touch it, for all intents and purposes, it could be in the same building or it could be across the world. It doesn't matter. So for me, what's empowering about cloud is just that, that it allows us to to share resources in ways that we couldn't do if I've got mine and you've got yours. Well, now we've each got our own that we've got to maintain. And I think current cloud is allowing great companies to spin up software and services so much qu very quickly in ways that we can then leverage very quickly and put the pieces together to create some pretty cool solutions. And I know you've worked at, you know, all different types of institutions, mm -hmm. some very prestigious ones. Is there a, is is it fair to say that there's a culture to higher ed? And what is that? Like, I guess to say it out loud, is there a change resistant? Is there a change <laughs> resistance that you have to get over in higher education? Yeah, I had an old colleague once say that in higher education, it's one of the few places where a vote of nine to one is actually considered a tie. Um, so change does come hard. Uh, although I think now with the consumerization of technology, especially with technology, I think people are adapting to change faster than they did before because what's in your pocket or on your hip is changing just as quickly. Um, higher ed is slow to change. I mean, they're delivering education for the, for the most part, the same way we've done it for thousands of years. Um, and so I think... It's, it's slow because I think two things. I think one, it tends to be very thoughtful. People want to make sure that what we're going to do isn't going to be gratuitous, that it's actually going to make a difference. And then two, we're mindful of the cost. You know, we're at a public two-year institution that charges $90 a credit hour. Anything we do is taking money that local students who saved up single parents 
homeless, whoever they happen to be, this is money they've entrusted us to give them the best education that we possibly can. And I think we want to be very mindful that every dollar we spend is being spent in a way that's going to further the mission of the institution um, or make the lives of those doing, make the current tasks that they're doing now easier so that people have more capacity and time to do other things. And then how do you make that case? That That's evolved over time. Um, it used to be we had a hard time making the case because people just didn't understand a lot of what we were saying as technologists. Now I think the web has made that so much simpler because we can show people things. We can show them how something works. We can have them do a demo. We can, in many cases now, because the data is easy to move around, the demo can be with data that they actually understand. It's not showing them data on a fictitious business that has a language that we don't use. We can actually make the demos and make the examples relevant to the people who are going to be looking at it. So. That is how we spend a lot of our time in IT, is trying to, people ask us, hey, we want to do X. We find solutions, so we'll show us how that does X. And we're able to do that more readily. I see. And you say you've seen it changed over time, and that's mm -hmm. because people are more familiar with technology. Are there also misconceptions? I mean, I would also think that, in a way, people expect things to happen quicker because they're used to pushing a button and getting a car to show up. I'm just wondering if there's a, the other side to be people being so used to technology that maybe they don't quite appreciate some of the backend business processes and thinking and change management that has to go into it. I think that inexpensive applications that people buy on their phone give people the false sense that things should cost $1.99 or be pretty inexpensive when that's just not true. And I do think that the consumerization, even of business type of solutions, where anybody can go on the web and see what they want, they don't see all the behind the scenes things that need to go into place to make that pretty demo really function. And so it becomes more of a conversation with people. Before, they used to come to us and trust that we would deliver a solution, and if it wasn't 100% right, you know, we were always at fault. Now it's really a collaborative experience to sit there where we're depending on people in the room to look at the functional aspects of it, and we're saying, okay, if those three software solutions have functionally what you want, let me tell you that technically only two of them have the mm. ability to tie in well with what we need to do with the data elsewhere, to make the data move back and forth so that you can do more meaningful things. So it's almost not having an appreciation for that ecosystem. I mean, because that's something interesting that's higher education. Yes. On the one hand, it's this closed ecosystem, but on the other hand, it has to, you basically have new users at least every semester. We do. So our student users are like that, and the st students want things right now, really quickly, the way that they're used to getting it. And I think most vendors and manufacturers are responding to that, uh, I don't want to say instant demand, but I think make it quick, make it easy, let me get in there really fast. Um, the harder problem has been historically on the administrative side and the academic side, all of our systems have been filing cabinets. We spent decades and hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars creating systems and solutions where you put the data in, you may have done something with it once, and it just sits there. Now, because of cloud, because of all these new technologies, we finally have the ability to take that data and use it in clever ways. And that's led to some really great conversations with colleagues where now I can say, okay, I understand that you want it to do this, but let's make sure we can get it to also do that because together it's going to give you more of what you want and maybe give you some solutions you didn't know right now you needed, but creates the opportunity for you to get those later. So answers to some of the problems you either didn't know you had or that you hadn't been asked lately sort yes. of thing. Yeah. And yeah. I think we're all talking about being data-driven decision makers. That's, that's the new mantra. I think the trick is to take that data and make it more exposed um, in ways that let people actually make decisions or 
I think more appropriately and, and more, more commonly, have that data drive other systems to make decisions on behalf of people and take us to where we want to go. Right. So when your counterparts at other higher ed institutions come to you and say, hey, you've had this implementation, it seems to be working, or this deployment seems to be working for you, give me some advice. Hmm. What, what do I need to know that I'm even not asking yet? Good question. I think for me, the number one thing I tell people with, with our deployment is you can spend a lot of time focusing on the deployment itself, and that's important, but that's an event. You're going to get through the deployment. However painful it may seem or however easy it may seem, you, there's going to be an end. What I'm talking to people about, where I spend most of my time thinking, is how do we make sure that this solution that we spent so much money on and so much time and energy on can actually connect to all the other things that we want? And so it's caused us to look at our entire ecosystem of applications and say, yes, that old application may have met our needs in the old days, but it doesn't play well with others using modern techniques and modern tools. And so it's had this, you know, pond in the in the lake ripple effect that we threw the rock and everybody focuses on the big splash. And what we really need to be focusing on is the ripples as they get further and further out, because that's actually where the interesting things occur. I mean, no one, no one ever comments when you see a rock hit a lake, no one ever comments about the pretty splash, right? Mm -hmm. They comment about the pretty ripples. And I think we want to have ourselves focus on how that builds out, how this one decision influences the next round of decisions and the next round of decisions so that collectively we're creating something really clever that works well together. But that's... That's great, but I mean, that's it's really hard just in my daily life to understand the second and third order ramifications. So how do you do that? I don't, don't think I'd expect you to understand the ramifications. What I would expect you to do is say, if we could do this, what's the next thing you'd want to do? Where do you think you want to go? And then my job as a technologist and the job of my team is to listen to what those, those then statements are. Like, if this, give us the then. And then our job is to try to figure out what are the pieces we need to put in place so that we're ready for you when you get to the then moment. Or that we don't make a decision that precludes you from getting to that then moment. In a way, we're sort of building the bridge just enough ahead of you that you don't, if it, if it goes well, you don't see us working on the bridge, but you never doubt that the bridge is taking where you want to go, right? right? We're right there. What's really interesting about that, and I know that our own CIO, I've had the pleasure of speaking with her as well, she talks about becoming a customer-centric tech leader. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that, or I find it fascinating that it seems like more and more the job of a technology leader is to both communicate and listen. Mm -hmm. When it comes to communicating, especially around when you're bringing in a new system, how do you let people know what they need to know? I, I know change management is a whole big thing. I think it's huge. But I would just love your thoughts on that. Well, and I wish I could tell you that we've gotten it right, um, because I think no matter what project I've been involved in, hindsight always shows that you could have done better. Um, it's, it's an area that I think technologists don't do a particularly good job at. We live in a world of constant change, and now we're bringing everybody along for the ride. For example, if we look at something like Workday, in the past, our ERPs, we would get to determine when it is we took up features and when we made changes. Now that's no longer the case. I think solutions like Workday have it easier because many of these people already have um, email accounts with Google or other other companies that they wake up on Monday morning and it looks different than it did when they stopped using it on Friday. So I think the world has become conditioned now to more rapid change. But 
I'm not so sure we manage well. I think, you know, telling people, get with the program, move ahead, well, that's necessary, but it's sort of not sufficient. Um, I think letting, not hiding the changes that are going to come, mm-hmm. not hiding the work that's going to be involved, not hiding how tomorrow is going to be different than yesterday and how that's okay because we didn't hire you specifically for the task you did yesterday. We hired you to do something and you did it one way yesterday and you'll do it another way tomorrow. I think that's really the key is to not sugarcoat, not hide, but to just be upfront and in front of be upfront with people and say, this is where we're going. How do we help you adapt and adopt the change? Right. And, and I know you've you've touched on this when we last spoke, that changing the mindset from or just getting people oriented toward like whereas people used to be used to like, okay, we have this thing, here's the manual, here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And then getting them to realize, yes, there's a manual, yes, there's instructions, but the the bigger question isn't like okay, on what page of the manual is how I do this process? The bigger question is, how do you want to best use this? It's funny. Historically, technology, you asked earlier about um, how it's about telling, talking and listening to people about technology. In the past, we told people how the system was going to work. You can do it any way you wanted as long as it was exactly like this because that's mm-hmm. the only way the system did things. Um, and so we were viewed as somebody who didn't care necessarily about the needs of the, the customer. We were forcing a set of parameters upon them, and that's, that's true. Software wasn't very widely adaptable. Now the model has changed. But what's interesting is we've built a whole class of employees who don't know how to cook but who are really good at following a recipe. Mm-hmm. And now we're saying, step back and tell me how you want to cook this thing. What, what are you looking to have these ingredients do? And they just sort of look, well, what do you mean? Well, tell me, if this could work, how would you like it to work? Well, how will I do X, Y, and Z? Well, how would you like to do X, Y, and Z? It becomes a conversation that they're just not used to having because people aren't often asked to say, how would you like to have this function work? How could you make that process that you've complained about for decades because the old system didn't work the way you wanted it to work? Okay, how would you like it to work to make it better for for your clients, for your customers, for in our case, for your students? And even better... You don't have to get it right the first time. If you do it and it's not quite right, what's cool about some of these modern technologies is we can change it. We can do it again. So you can evolve. You can sort of take what techies would call an agile approach to doing this, right? Don't worry about designing it to death so that you never get to the end. Figure out, well, this would be better than that. Okay, we'll do this. And then let's take another week and look and say, could we make the next thing better? Um, It's getting people to think in ways that companies have never been able to empower their employees to think because everybody who's hired does the task the same way the person who they're succeeding did the task. And now we're saying, okay, how would you like to change the task? And are people getting there? Yeah, but for some people it's not easy. But I think once people do it and realize that there may not be a penalty and there shouldn't be a penalty for designing something that doesn't work quite right because we can do it again, I think that alone becomes empowering because as long as I'd like to think, at least in my organization, our college, as long as you make a thoughtful mistake that was trying to do something to further things, that's okay. We can make we can take the next step after that. But the important thing is you took the step forward, you rethought how we're providing a service, all with the goal of making it better. If you didn't get it right, that's okay. We'll make it better the next time. Right. And then as far as the future technology for your school, mm-hmm. what are you excited about? What am I excited about? <clears throat> that boy, that's really good. Um, 
I think for me, I'm excited about not, I don't think any particular specific technology. What I'm excited about is finding vendors who realize, technology providers who start to realize that their solution is indeed a cog that fits in with other cogs. There's something really empowering to me and to my organization to say, we're gonna buy this piece, but the company that does that understands that they need to be open and accessible and modern and not, not, not hold your data hostage and not hold your access hostage, but they'll, they'll enable it to work with another solution. So then I find another piece and suddenly I can put together solutions that provide things that we weren't able to do before. I'll give you an example. So we're a Workday client, um, we're a Workday student client and Workday student has this great engagement framework where Workday can automatically send email messages out to students. Perfect. Well, our students would prefer to get things by text. Email works and legacy systems can't even do that very readily, but we want to do text. Well, because of the way Workday is designed with all its open APIs, we were able to find a texting solution. We found one that also has really good open APIs, and we could connect them together. And I'm guessing we're probably the only college who someone can go into Workday engagement, student engagement, put in an engagement plan, and have that trigger a text message that gets sent to the student. Did Workday think about that? I suspect that there are people at Workday who want to look at texting. But even if they couldn't figure it out now, the fact that we got a solution that at our core is open all around, I could find these add-on solutions and go, we've now created a pretty clever solution at not a whole lot of extra cost. So what gets me excited is creating a toolbox of these little point-specific kinds of solutions, be it text messaging, be it um, social media in interaction, be it portal and, and exposing things, and having them around so that when I go talk to my colleagues on the executive team and they talk about their needs, I mentally I'm sitting there going, okay, I got a piece that does that, I have a piece that does that, ooh, I don't have something that does that other thing. And so we then put it all together and create a custom solution for us that's just using a bunch of really good off-the-shelf solutions where the manufacturers realize that their value to me as a client isn't in keeping it closed, but in keeping it open, like connected. Yeah, well, that's great. Makes sense? Yeah, it makes perfect yeah. sense. And as a Workday student user, mm -hmm. customer, what advice would you have for other people either considering Workday Student or about to launch Workday Student? I mean, I won't... You know, the real deal. Like, what would your advice be? I mean, so I don't want to focus necessarily on all the things that you need to do to implement Workday Student because every school knows that. They'll get that down. I would say it is never too soon to think about your integrations and your the other solutions that you had around your ERP, and you have hundreds of them, and to to look at the, the solutions you have in place and say, those are the vendors and those products were important to you with your old solution. Are they still strategic for where you want to go going forward? And I will tell you, we, we have a couple of those that have multiple major players in the space. And the vendor who is a major player with our legacy isn't looking like it's a major player with where we want to go with Workday. That's not to say they won't get there, but there are other companies that have may have gotten there sooner or are more congruent with where our new path is. So I would tell colleagues, don't focus so much internally on implementing Workday Student. Yes, that's going to happen and there are people who can do that, but I think it's only the IT operation and the CIOs who can think about 
what are the touch points to all those other systems and are those still strategic? And it may be that even if, you're, even if you've just signed on for Workday Student, haven't even started, it is not too soon to now start examining your other solutions because you will have other implementations that need to go along and you want right. to sequence those correctly. You know, if you want to do room scheduling, if you want to do X, Y, or Z, you should think about making sure that the vendor you have or the vendor you choose is ready for you when you get Workday to the point where you want to make those connections. Right, so. and I, re I really like your your measuring stick of will this be strategic for where you want to go? And yeah. that's really key, isn't it? I think it is, and I think it, it really is interesting to look at an IT operation or a campus and say, have you started to have those conversations with your vendors? Um, does your IT organization, are they even prepared to understand how their world is going to change when you make this big change to Workday Student? And so... It is important to have conversations with all the third-party solutions that you've had all these years. Say, what's your roadmap? Where are you headed? Where are you going? And and not, I, I think, again, the mistake is to say, we've chosen Workday. Will you, will you integrate? Because uh, trust me, they're all going to say yes. Mm. All of them will say yes. I'm more concerned now to hear the vision of where are the vendors going? What's your road? What, where do you want to go? What, how is your technology going to change? And then to right now, start planning what upgrades, what vendor changes, or even what upgrades within a vendor's current platform, if they're a partner of yours, are you going to have to make so that those add-on solutions are ready when the Workday product is ready to connect to them? It's interesting that we live in a world where technological change is so and, and progress is so rapid. We can't just think about how things are now. We have to really factor in how they'll be pretty soon. And, right. Yeah. And I think getting the, the other problem you mentioned, you asked earlier about change in higher education. Some of the change that's going to happen is people have really favorite solutions that they've used for a decade that did a particular thing. Well, that vendor may not be the right vendor to do that particular thing for you with your new solution Workday. It's never too soon to start having those conversations. Not about what did you love about this solution, not about do you still want to work with vendor X, but what is it you need that solution to do going forward? And then let's have vendor X revet themselves. Let's have them give us a fresh demo um, in light of now where we want to go and compare it to all the other solutions out there. So in the spirit of communicating more, letting people know at this early stage, chances are good some of your favorite solutions are going to have to change. Let's start having those conversations now so that one of two things happen. You get comfortable finding an alternative solution. Or if the vendor really wants to keep you and some of your other colleagues, maybe pushing the vendor to make the kinds of changes they need to make so that they're ready for you when the time comes that you'll be able to connect it up with Workday. Okay, great. Any last words or any questions I should have asked that I didn't? We covered a lot of ground. We did, yeah. Um, I, no, I, I think a parting comment would be, though, to, to, to suggest to my peers that if you've made the decision to go to Workday Student, you've already made the decision that cloud is a place you're comfortable putting the most important data at your institution. You should have no fear about making other cloud-based solutions to go forward. And indeed, once you, once you take that first big step, you now have a world of options open to you for other tools that could integrate with Workday and then integrate with each other. Now is the time when you've made the first step and, and decided to, to go with Workday with a modern solution that, that really offers a set of features we couldn't have, we never had before. Now's the time to start having all the peripheral conversations because at the end of the day, 
work they will be in. And I think it's what you do with it and how you connect it to other solutions that really will, will differentiate your institution and give you kind of the flexibility you need to provide the services that you need to provide to your students. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us on a Workday podcast. Brett, thank you so much for taking the time and visiting us here. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. 